This is the Locked On Clemson Podcast. You've got Matt Smith here with you, and we're going to get back into a little C.J. Spiller talk today. I think he may have deserved more than what I gave him last time, so we'll talk a little bit more about Spiller and his place in Clemson history now that he has been selected to the 2020 class for the South Carolina Athletic Football Hall of Fame well deserved. Also, we'll look back on Clemson's victory over Furman yesterday. Not not that all, all that impressive because the weather was tough to deal with uh, for the Tigers out there undermining Lee, but they get the win, which means Clemson off to a 4-0 and start. And we'll talk about today where Clemson now stacks up as you look across the landscape of college baseball, the ACC specifically, because where the ACC is this season If you play well in conference, that bodes well for how you'll perform in the NCAA regionals. So can Clemson do enough? Is there enough hitting on this team? Is there enough pop on this team to go through the conference schedule? We know there's enough pitching this season, which is new for Monty Lee and Clemson. He's building that pitching staff, and it looks like there's enough arms there. Is there enough pop Are there enough runs in those bats for Clemson to excel during the ACC baseball season, host a regional, and then for the first time under Monty, get into the Supers? I actually think there's a great shot at that. You can't predict what's going to happen in a regional. Baseball's too hard to predict anyway. The best teams in Major League Baseball uh, oftentimes will only win 58% of their games. So it's very difficult to predict when you get – into those compressed situations like a regional, how Clemson will perform. But what we can do is kind of extrapolate what we're seeing from this Clemson team under the microscope, first four games, take it out, how they're going to perform perform long-term over a 54-game schedule, and what that means for where, where Clemson will land in the regional, what type of opponents they'll get, and then kind of look at, at the chances from there. So we'll do that. I actually really like their chances of hosting a regional again this season, and they've got to find some more runs. They do have to do that, be more consistent offensively, but we'll break that down in just a little bit and hear from Monty Lee what he had to say uh, after his team pulled out a 3-2 win over Furman yesterday. Also, talking about C.J. Spiller. Um, So I've picked a few brains here about where C.J. Spiller is in terms of lasting impact on Clemson football. And it kind of sparked in my head I'd really like to dig into not just the best players in Clemson history on the gridiron but the impact of those players so I've kind of come up with some criteria and I want to do it in the next segment where we look at you know specifically where CJ Spiller ranks in terms of most impactful Tigers and maybe even where a couple of guys that are still dawning the orange and purple right now, like Trevor Lawrence and Travis Etienne, where do they rank? Uh, Their stories are not finished. They have chapters left to write in their books, uh, in their magnum opus. But just in what Trevor Lawrence and Travis Etienne have already accomplished, Lawrence is already a national championship winning quarterback uh, which is, you know, and, and then based on where he is statistically and, and impact to the program, that, that's going to put him ahead of Homer Jordan, for instance, uh, who also won a national title at Clemson. I mean, I think 
everybody knows that the, the, the game of football has changed and they don't play it the same way, so you can't compare what Homer Jordan did to what Trevor Lawrence is doing. But I think overall impact, Lawrence has exceeded uh, the great Homer Jordan as well. And Travis Etienne is already Clemson's all-time leading rusher. But is he Clemson's all-time best running back? So that's a debate we're going to have here on the Locked On Clemson podcast as we move forward. So we'll break that down when we come back. Also, look ahead to Clemson's baseball weekend, their basketball weekend, and try to project where Clemson is and what the opinion is of Clemson right now at places like Baseball America, D1Baseball.com, and more. What do others think of Clemson And are they right, or is there more to it? Is there another layer to that particular onion that they're missing? Is Clemson better, or are they properly rated nationally? So, we'll do all of that on today's edition of the Locked on Clemson podcast, where all these great players rank, like Deshaun Watson and Trevor Lawrence and William Perry and LaVon Kirkland and Donnell Wolford and Uh, All of these great players, Jerry Butler, that have come through Clemson, where do they rank? Not just in how good a player they were, but lasting impact on the program. I'll lay out my criteria for you right here. I've got it like this. I'd like to rank Clemson's kind of their all-time team in terms of overall collegiate success. Now, that's more than just the numbers because, you know, a good example of that is – you know, maybe Taj Boyd's passing numbers are better than Woody Dantzler's, but – That's partly because the game of football evolved, the rule changes, the up-tempo offenses. I actually have Woody Dantzler ranked ahead of Taj Boyd. But just just as an example, that's an example of overall collegiate success. Uh, Although Taj Boyd had plenty of success uh, as well at at the collegiate level. But initial impact on the program. So what was happening while they were there on campus? Lasting impact on the program as well. Sometimes you need a little perspective to look back to see just how great a player was. And and for whatever reason, they didn't get their due while they were performing at Death Valley. And then NFL success. I'm just going to pepper that in there because one thing I think NFL success can reveal to us, I'm not going to you know, hold it against anyone that was a great college player and then didn't necessarily suit the NFL game in their time. I, I, I wouldn't do that. I'm not, I'm not necessarily going to, I guess I'll put it this way, I'm not going to penalize anybody in my list for lack of NFL success as much as I'm going to try to lift others up based on what they did because sometimes it's revelatory how good you are in the pros some sometimes will reveal to us how good you were in college and maybe the statistics weren't there, you were playing with some other great teammates or whatever the team was doing schematically at the time didn't lend itself to you having a big statistical impact and we may have missed it. So just a little more perspective, that NFL success uh, on some players that went on to be big time NFL stars and then you look back at their college career and realize it was there all along. So that's my criteria. We'll see if you agree, disagree. We'll have others on the program as well uh, to pick at me, just like we did on my Clemson, uh, the ranking of the top 29 games in Clemson's 29-game winning streak. So we'll do that uh, based on 
Clemson Tigers and the impact. We'll go over that list, not in order, but maybe kind of position by position, just the 30,000-foot view of this before we get into it a little deeper. And we'll talk baseball, Monty Lee and the Tigers, what they've done and what's coming up this weekend. You're listening to the Locked On Clemson Podcast, your team every day, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. This is the Locked On Clemson Podcast, your team every day. Smitty's here with you. We're going to talk C.J. Spiller and a little Clemson Tigers baseball today on this edition. And in terms of baseball, Clemson, again, gets the win over Furman, 3-2. to two. They have to battle the rain a little bit. And Furman threw some good pitching out there for Clemson. Um, Clemson's pitching staff, you couldn't ask much more from them at this point in the season but perhaps you'd like to see the bats going a little bit more for the Tigers, which kind of begs the question, how will Davis Sharp be used? He DH'd yesterday. So after not starting in the lineup in game one of the season, Davis Sharp has uh, been a part of it, either pitching or hitting every day since. We will see. We will see how Monty Lee decides to use that chess piece Davis Sharp. It's going to be absolutely fascinating as you move forward. Uh, Monty said during the preseason even that Davis Sharp was the best option defensively at first base, but he said Chad Ferry won the job at first fair and square. So we'll see if Clemson's getting enough production at that position and how he's going to use Davis Sharp in terms of uh, using him at the plate. You don't want to use him up. And last season they started to give Sharp a few more days off here and there because they needed him on the mound so, so much. Um, and so I think this season you're looking at a situation where Monty wants to start off slowly and then you use Davis as time goes on, you know, more left in the tank coming April and May this season uh, on into the regionals again, which I expect Clemson to make. But yesterday, Mac Anglin threw three innings. That was his first career start. He gave up two runs, but just one of those was earned to Furman. Uh, Nick Hoffman came in behind Anglin, threw three scoreless innings in relief, and then Carson Spires ended up after a couple more relievers came in. Spires closed out Furman with a scoreless ninth. Spires has yet to give up a run yet. Three appearances, uh, two saves for Spires, so he looks sharp there on the back end of that bullpen. So that's great, kind of a check mark there. The Spires looks good. He's throwing well. And you do see that uh, Monty, not sure what everybody's role is going to be yet on the pitching staff. He throws England at England, and I think we've got to wait one more start at least before we know what's going on with Anglin. He did give up, uh, you know, he had, had some nerves probably, uh, did walk four batters, gave up a couple of runs. Again, just one earned, however, uh, and Furman's no pushover. So uh, it's good that Clemson got the win, good that they're 4-0, and but you would like to see the bats get hot. It's hard to do that in the cold weather. I could tell you I played uh, college ball myself a lot of games this time of year. It is very tough. Uh, to get the full BP in and everything. The wind's often howling. Uh, everybody's wearing gloves, whether they're batting gloves or not. Sometimes you just, you're just keeping your hands warm for a while. So it's not the easiest thing in the world to see where you are offensively. Even in Major League Baseball, they always say the, the bats get hot as the weather does. That's absolutely true. It's just the way uh, baseball works. Uh, pitching's always ahead of the hitting, so I certainly don't want to panic about Clemson's offense, and uh, it's great that they are all 
are four and zero. And David Sharp went out there two for four and a double. Um, Clemson managing just five hits, but David Sharp got a couple of them. But right now, the Clemson pitching staff, they've been awesome. 1.25 ERA, opposing teams hitting just 144 through four games against Clemson. Next game, it's a three-game set against Stony Brook. Stony Brook's just one and three. Um, Another big South opponent, although Stony Brook's from up north, so don't look too deeply into that. Uh, but the Stony Brook Seawolves roll into Doug Kingsmore coming up tomorrow. Sam Weatherly expected to start, get his second start of the year. Had control issues. You know, that's unfortunately lather, rinse, repeat with Sam Weatherly. But the stuff is great. Hard to hit. Uh, he's a big part of the reason opposing teams are hitting just 144 against the Tigers. So that's baseball. Now, C.J. Spiller, uh, if you hadn't heard, if you missed our last podcast, C.J. Spiller has been announced as part of the 2020 South Carolina Athletic Hall of Fame class. Great honor. C.J., still a young guy. And I just think of C.J. Spiller as having a tremendous impact on Clemson. But where does he rank in terms of both greatness as a player and then impact on the program? So we'll do that list, and I'll reach out to a few other um, journalists uh, that cover it, maybe some former players. We'll get their take. I actually spoke to Will Merritt, former All-ACC lineman, uh, who covered C.J. Spiller while he was the radio analyst for Clemson. And he said, I, I don't want to do that. I might force him to do it, but he doesn't want to do it because he doesn't want to take anything away from some of the other players like Travis Zachary or Raymond Priester or, or the guys he saw growing up like Terry Allen and uh, Terrence Flagler. But where does C.J. Spiller rank and where does Travis Etienne rank? That's that's fun. So let's start there at the running back position. Uh, we will I, we'll do this through all the positions, all the position groups, I guess and the impact of the players, and kind of we'll rank them, and then I'll uh, uh, reach out and get your input as well here on the Locked on Clemson podcast. C.J. Spiller, uh, you know, All-American, uh, tremendous impact, returned for his senior season, broke a, a ton of records at Clemson, and to me, I, I brought this up on the last podcast, he was the bridge between Tommy Bowden and Dabo Sweeney, and part of the reason that I think Tommy Bowden, some Clemson fans soured on him, was the utilization of C.J. Spiller. They thought that Bowden could have gotten more mileage out of Spiller. And then Debo Sweeney takes over, and that's exactly what he gets. He gets a ton of mileage out of Spiller. They're All of a sudden, they're throwing the ball to him more. Um, he's running more wheel routes down the sideline. They're throwing it to him one, uh, you know, deep once a game. His receiving numbers went up. His usage number just went up, period. So C.J. Spiller, he's one of those guys you have to look at. Travis Etienne, now the all-time leading rusher, in Clemson history, uh, 7.8 yards per carry, an absurd alien number, 7.8 yards per carry. But ETN, not the receiver, Spiller was. And I can tell you, I did talk to Will about this. He's got Spiller ahead of ETN. So I'm gonna I'm gonna talk to a lot of people and pick a lot of brains, not just on impact, but I I love ETN as a player. And it's hard for me to believe he hasn't eclipsed C.J. Spiller when I just you know look at these numbers. But Spiller, as I said yesterday, he's got a special place in the heart of Clemson fans. How about Terrence Flagler, who was a first-round pick, former All-American at Clemson, 5.7 yards a carry. How about Terry Allen, who didn't go until the ninth round, but he scored 28 touchdowns in 36 games. yards a carry back when it was the I formation under Danny Ford. They weren't running a lot of draws. It was smash mouth. Everybody knew, everybody in the stadium 
knew Terry Allen was getting the football. He got the football and still produced. 5.3 yards a carry, 28 touchdowns in three seasons at Clemson. Only went in the ninth round, but he is the most successful Clemson running back. Uh, you know, like Kevin Mack, perhaps. I guess you could talk about Kevin Mack playing the, from the fullback position at Clemson. Um, that's an interesting one. Where is Kevin Mack compared to Terry Allen in terms of just NFL success? That's pretty interesting. How do you rank Kevin Mack? How do you rank Raymond Priester, who's a guy who was Clemson's all-time leading rusher up until this season? Not an NFL guy. Uh, I know Will Merritt loves him, played with him, was a battering ram. How about Kenny Flowers, former second-round pick? So all of these players, Andre Ellington, James Davis, who is C.J. Spiller's teammate. But I think in terms of running backs, as we start to massage this list in terms of impact, I'm going to say, I'm going to narrow the list for me. And I I can bring some people back. But for me, the best running back in Clemson history and the most impactful player at that position comes down to one of three guys. Terry Allen, Travis Etienne, C.J. Spiller. And I think at the moment, I'm leaning C.J. Spiller in part because he came back for his senior year. There has to be a bonus for that. You know, it it may be, you can argue another guy, a three-year guy could have been a better player in his three years at the height. But think about all the impact C.J. Spiller had by coming in as a freshman right away, right away hitting the scene and putting up numbers for Clemson. Right away, helping them win football games, build the program, recruit other players. With with near immediacy. And then all the way through until his last game as a senior, C.J. Spiller was a major factor for that offense and the program. And then the lasting impact, we still talk about him today. Demarcus Bowman signs with Clemson and Dabo Sweeney, just drop C.J. Spiller's name as a comparison. And everybody, and I don't mean just everybody in the room at the press conference that covers Clemson and and has known Clemson their whole lives. I mean, everybody, coast to coast, knows who he's talking about and what he's talking about. And that is the lasting impact of C.J. Spiller. But we'll do this with with all the positions. It'll be fun and kind of break it down. And, And am I right that those are the three? Those three. C.J. Spiller, Travis E.T., and Terry Allen, the only three. It's kind of like the best band of all time. It's got to be the Beatles, Led Zeppelin, or the Rolling Stones. I mean, it's hard to argue. You can't argue. I like the Jim Blossoms. You know, they're, they're not on that level. You know, I like Hootie and the Blowfish. They're not there. So, I've got it. Spiller, Allen, and Travis Etienne. One of those three is the answer to the, the best and most impactful player at the running back position in Clemson history. Let's, 
dig into Kevin Mack a little bit too. Maybe we'll make fullback a different position. But we'll do that for all the positions, bring them together, and then we'll we'll come up with kind of a a cohesive list, including all the criteria and an exhaustive list. And we'll include the offensive linemen as well, and I will talk to former offensive linemen and former defensive players to make sure uh, that those those cats are properly represented in what they've in the way they've impacted Clemson. We'll take a break here on the Locked On Clemson podcast, and when we're back, we'll hear from Monty Lee following the Furman game, where this Clemson team stands, how he feels about it overall, and what I expect the Tigers to do against Stony Brook coming up this weekend. Stay with us, Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is the Locked On Clemson podcast. Locked On Clemson Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Let's talk a little baseball because Clemson has Stony Brook coming up this weekend from Doug Kingsmore Stadium. And Clemson looking to fatten a great record. They're already 4-0. and And Stony Brook has started out 1-3. But this is a Stony Brook club that made the tournament last year. An NCAA regional team, they went to Baton Rouge and got their leg striped a couple of times, and they got swept last year when they took on Arkansas in a non-conference matchup. So, it's you know, Stony Brook's in a tough position. But looking at Clemson, don't fall asleep at the wheel here. It's good that Clemson has won all four of its games, and it's good that they've been able to win in close fashion. With their pitching depth this season, I, I know if you're just joining, you know, kind of getting into Clemson baseball this year, that's not always the case. But great pitching depth this season. Great stuff. And you'll hear Monty Lee here in just a second talk about how many young arms he's been able to utilize and how many he utilized against Furman in order to get that win. This is a team in Stony Brook, however, because of where they are, you know, a little further north, they don't get to get on the field that often. Clemson needs to put the ball in play, force Stony Brook to catch it and throw it over and over. It's very tough for these teams that come in and make these southern sweeps to defend at a high rate because of the weather they've been dealing with. They can get the cage work. They can work indoors. They can run their drills. But that live defense, they don't get it that often. Stony Brook, starting that southern tour, they've already lost three of four to uh, you know early on in the season. Uh, they got pounded a little bit by the, the Texas State Bobcats. So Clemson should be able to fatten its record. Hey, it's baseball. You can lose a game. But absolutely under no circumstances, here's two things you can't see this weekend. You can't see Clemson not stay focused. Yes, 4-0. and But when conference play starts and you start taking on teams like Louisville, like Florida State, like NC State, like Wake Forest, you'll need these wins stacked up right now in February before you get into the heart of that conference schedule. The other thing you want to see Clemson do, light up the scoreboard. At least one of these games, put it together. Stony Brook is not going to have the pitching depth that should be able to Keep Clemson in check, that offense in check, throughout the entirety of the weekend. It's not that kind of team. They probably have a couple of good frontline starters, but when you get you attack that depth against Stony Brook, Clemson ought, ought 
to light them up at least one of these games. You need like a 13-5 to outing, uh, something in that neighborhood. Throw up some crooked numbers, and that's what Monty Lee would like to see, what he loved seeing from his Tigers yesterday. Look, not the offensive production, but that pitching staff was nasty. Man, um, you know, midweek games can be tough from time to time. Uh, had a great crowd here today. Uh, thought it was awesome uh, that we were able to recognize uh, uh, Rudy Cox uh, during the game. He's on the Furman coaching staff. He meant so much to our program. Uh, it's also great to see Taylor Hardman, another former Clemson great, over in the other dugout coaching for Furman. So it's great to have those guys back, uh, you know, back at back at home. Um, outstanding pitching performance today. Thought Mac Anglin uh, really did a great job. You know, he struggled a little bit with his command uh, in the first inning. Uh, bases loaded uh, via the wall, but we did not help him either. Uh, threw a ball away in the center field that allowed a runner to advance, and he made an error. We could have helped him uh, limit uh, limit the damage there, and we did not. But uh, the one thing that really stood out to me about Mac uh, after uh, the four-hole hitter was he punched out five guys in a row. Uh, so uh, his line uh, was outstanding considering you know, he probably should have given up maybe uh, one run. Uh, so thought Mac threw the ball very well. Uh, then our bullpen was outstanding again. You know, eight out of nine innings uh, in this ball game were pitched by freshmen. Uh, Nick Hoffman got his first time on the mound through three scoreless. Thought he looked outstanding. Uh, got Nick Clayton and Jeffrey Gilbert back in the ball game. Uh, they threw the ball very well and turned it over to Carson. Uh, so, uh, you know, overall it was good to get a win. We did swing the bats particularly well. Uh, we did have a number of quality at bats. Uh, got things started again in the first inning. Henderson hit the big uh, leadoff double. Kier was able to move him over, and then with two strikes, Parker was able to get him in, just play good baseball there in the first inning to get us a run. Then in the fifth, we used a free 90 again. Uh, Henderson got hit by a pitch. Uh, Meredith uh, walk. Uh, James got a nice sacrifice butt down. And, uh, you know, Hack was able to, you know, get it done early in the count, drive the runner in there with a sack fly. So we scored a couple runs there. Uh, in the fifth, and that was really it. Uh, so, uh, you know, we need to be a little bit better uh, on defense early in the game. Um, and, uh, I mean, we put a lot of balls in play. We had seven walks tonight on offense. Struck out a little bit too much for me. I, th I thought we swung out of the zone a little bit too much. They spun a lot of breaking balls tonight. We chased a little bit out of the zone too much uh, for me. But uh, put together overall some good at-bats. Had 18 total quality at-bats. So half of our bats were quality at-bats. So. Uh, we were competitive. We just didn't square up a ton of balls. Davis had a nice, nice day. Hammered a couple of baseballs, uh, but besides that, we didn't have a lot of hard contact. So it was great uh, that we pitched the way that we pitched uh, because that's what won us the game. So you could just hear Monty Lee so excited about that young pitching staff. And again, don't expect too much from Clemson right away, but the bats should come around against Stony Brook this weekend, a team that finished 139th in Warren Nolan's RPI a season ago. They're 1-3 to start this season, don't have the pitching depth. If Clemson's bats are going to come alive, now would be a good time to start. We'll talk more about C.J. Spiller and the greatest players in Clemson football history and preview 
the Clemson Basketball Weekend. When we're back with you tomorrow, it's your team every day. Locked on Clemson, part of the Locked On Podcast Network.